Hello, space people. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Today in Space, the podcast where we talk about space and science and the power of the scientific mindset and pretty much anything else that this crazy aerospace engineer can think of. Um, but thank you for joining us. You know, this week we've got Thanksgiving Thanksgiving coming up next week. Uh, and there's a lot of things to be thankful for. You know, this time of year is a, is, is definitely one of my favorites. Um, things move fast. I mean, we've got the holidays coming up. So things are going to get crazy for everybody. And it's, uh, it's just a time of year where I try to pull back a little bit because I know what's coming. Um, just the stress, not even so much in my own life, but the stress that you're going to feel from everybody else, that everyone else is having stress in their life. Uh, and it kind of packs on. But this is also the same time of year that, you know, in my past, Thanksgiving time is where was right around the time when we launched EG3D, which is our, our 3D printing lab where we, we make our own ideas, uh, bring our own ideas into reality with 3D printing. And we also help bring you or anyone that wants to be, that wants to make something 3D printed, you can come to us and we can make that happen. So we started that around Thanksgiving time. So um, I have a lot of thanks to give to the people in my life that, you know, you know, I've I've gone after something that I love, that I passion that I'm passionate about, but I wouldn't be here today putting out stuff on a weekly basis and growing the show and being at the point where we're at, where, you know, in December, the first week of December, we're going to NASA um, down in Florida to watch the SpaceX launch CRS-19 as a part of the NASA social program. All of those things, I wouldn't be here doing this if I didn't have people in my life that cared about me in my darkest times. And and now, even now, I, if I didn't have people like that that I cared about, that looked out for me, that cared about me, it would be tough. I wouldn't be here. So I, I'm super thankful for that. I'm also super thankful for everyone that listens to this show. I mean, you know, sometimes life gets crazy and, and you kind of lose yourself a little bit. And everyone listening, you know, especially recently, people have been reaching out, telling me they're listening and and telling me what they like about the show and, and just sending love this way. And I just want to say thank you to everyone that has, especially people giving feedback, you know, that what they like, what they didn't like. For the most part, people have been respectful. And uh, the the stuff that, yeah, I just, I can't say enough uh, thanks to all of you. So thank you for, for being a part of this show, because you all are. And again, if you have anything that you'd like us to cover, please reach out. Send us send us a message. I'm more than happy to, to, to send the love back. Um, and we appreciate you. Really do. So be good to yourself. Uh, you know, have fun over the holidays if you're in the U.S. And you're, and you're actually celebrating Thanksgiving. Be with your family. Be with your friends. Enjoy yourself. Take some time to just let your brain uh, shut off and get away from everything. If you can, put the phone away for a little bit. It always it seems to help. I know it's difficult. Believe me. But enjoy yourself over the holidays. As soon as the holidays are over, I'm off to Florida to go capture the CRS-19 mission. So it's going to be really crazy. Uh, next week, we're not going to put an episode out because of the holidays and because I've got to get prepped. So yeah, and then once December, the start of December happens, it's you're going to see a lot from here. And if you have anything that you'd like us to cover, if there's anything about a rocket launch you never knew, because remember, this is my first rocket launch. If... If there's anything that you want to know about SpaceX's launch with the Falcon 9 and the Dragon capsule to the International Space Station to deliver cargo and supplies that are needed for the astronauts that are on board and the cosmonauts, you know, if there's anything you have, like, what are they sending? You know, what is it like when a rocket launch happens? I'm going to be capturing that, but if, if I get what you guys are looking for, then I can be your ambassador. I can be the person that goes in there and says, hey, I can raise my hand, be your representative, 
at these things to ask the questions that you want to get answered. So reach out if you want. Cool. This week, I've recorded this episode twice and it has evolved uh, a lot. Mostly because... <laughs> Mostly because there's been a lot of action in the space industry and a lot of things happened pretty much the day I was going to release this. And then also my hard drive got completely full. It's, it's That's on me. I wasn't proactively watching. I knew it was going to get full. Didn't think it was going to happen when it was going to be during an episode, but it was. So bought a new hard drive, moved everything over. It was like almost like two terabytes of data. Um, so it took a while, but we're all set. We're up and running. And the other reason that this episode has been delayed is because... You know, last episode we talked about, or a few episodes ago, we talked about the the success that SpaceX and Boeing has ha has been having in the commercial crew, which was a time we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate when they have success because it almost seems like, well, it's it's a staple of the space industry. People are really only talking about it when there's a huge catastrophic failure. That's when it gets the most news coverage, and it gets very little when it's simply just you know, doing what they were supposed to do. Not many people want to talk about that. SpaceX has kind of changed that, especially from from growing up without SpaceX. I knew a world before SpaceX and the space industry. And they have added a new, uh, a new thing, a new thing to look at, a new uh, carnival of sorts for space, which is the landing of the rockets, something that pe is new to people. And people are like, oh, I want to see this. And, and they actually are happy when they succeed. So that, that's a bit of an anomaly. Uh, thanks to SpaceX. But what happened recently, we had two th two different things happen. So SpaceX in Boca Chica, Texas, has been putting together the Starship Mark 1. Uh, there are two, remember. Uh, if, if, I, if, I, if I have this correctly, I remember reading an article a little while back where internally there were going to be two starships uh, that two different teams inside of SpaceX were going to be working on so that they could develop in kind of their own way, uh, do the different things. Because, you know, when, when you're in engineering, if anyone's not familiar with, with engineering and what it's like behind the curtain for some of these places, there are teams of people, tons of people that make this stuff possible. And they, there are a lot of ideas that get bounced around. And, and most of the ideas get, get kind of put to the side. And, and you never know. Sometimes you kind of, when you're looking back, you wonder, man, what if we did go that other route? What if we did do it this way? And so this was a really cool thing to hear that SpaceX was doing that... They were having two different teams build a starship and do different options to see which one would be better. And so recently, in this past week, the Starship Mark 1 was in Boca Chica, Texas. It was pressurizing. It was it was doing a pressure, pressurization event. I, I haven't gone into the full details, but I'll give you... I'll give you the quick down and dirty on it. During the pressurization where they were, they were loading fuel, the top literally blew off. So Starship was on the launch pad, you know, they're just doing tests. Uh, they were going to be loading propellant, and it was supposed to pressurize. And you could actually see uh, there were really subtle changes that you saw when it was pressurized. And then all of a sudden, on, on some of the live feeds, it was caught that the, the top, again, it didn't look quite like this. We'll, we'll have an image here for you. But the top literally blew off, and tons of that liquid fuel flew out. It was a, it was a huge plume. I don't remember if it was quite nitrogen or, or hydrogen but or oxygen, but... We were hoping to do a, a, a live commentary on the actual launch broadcast so we could talk to you about it, share some info, and have some fun, but that's going to be delayed. And these things happen. You know, the, the great thing, the, the thing to pull away from this is that it happened in testing. You know, 
I think a lot of the people's the people that are kind of anxious about SpaceX, who you might argue are on the old space side, you know, who are really NASA heavy, would argue that they move too fast, and they they may say that this is an, a perfect example of them moving too fast. But I would argue the exact opposite. This is the the beauty of iterative design, and that's that's something that we make use of here with AG3D. I'll give you an example here. So here's something that we we sell on our Etsy page. It's a rocket ship holder. And this is this is like the first design. And so I, I was I was trying to develop it to the next step. I had someone ask for one. It kind of blew up a whole mindstorm of, of different possibilities. And so I started playing with it. So I started saying, okay, well, what if we had a base? Um, and then what could we do with that base? What else could we add? Oh, wait, we could actually add a, a, a control tower to, to load the astronauts on board. And there's still so much that I can do with this, but I'm able to do this because I'm taking small tests. I'm testing. I'm, I'm making a model. I'm 3D printing one of these, and then I'm testing it. I'm putting the phone on it. I'm seeing how it fits. And I'm not spending all that time in the design process, you know, rummaging through my head thinking, what is the perfect thing that I can do that'll make this the best thing ever? I'm saying, here, let me throw some rough dimensions out there and then see if it works. See if I even like it. That's that's the beauty of iterative design from like a, a developing a product, developing a, an idea, something that you can have in front of you, right? When you take that concept and apply it to the space industry and what SpaceX is doing, what they're able to do is they're able to test iteratively and they're able to take an idea and run way more tests in a, in the same amount of time as say because they're they're the front runners behind this right NASA in the same amount of time that NASA has been developing the space launch system which is about an 8 year window right uh, 2011 they retired the space shuttle then they said oh we're going to take the space shuttle engines and we're going to put that on the SLS so that way we don't have to develop a whole new thing but the rest of the rocket, the rest of the system still needs to be created. The, the Orion capsule is still being developed, and it's been tested, but it's still being developed. But this one rocket design they've been working on for eight years, and we still have not seen a full test of the whole system. Meanwhile, SpaceX, in 11 years, or even just take 2011, right? Just take 2011. 2011, they, uh, around that time, the, the Falcon 1 launched, right? It was the first time they launched any of their rockets. This is, this is way back in the day. Then move forward, they had the Falcon 9. They also brought into the world reusability and landing rockets, which was not a thing. I can tell you from being in college, from being an aerospace engineer, and having arguments with professors, debates, arguments, however you want to say it, this was not a thing that was accepted in the industry, especially not the people that were teaching the ones that would potentially go into the industry later. So they made that happen. Then they also have developed the Dragon capsule, which has gone through multiple iterations and has gone to the International Space Station multiple times. You know, CRS-19 coming up in December. That's the 19th resupply mission, official resupply mission, not including, you know, the test that they actually sent it up the first time, a robotic test, just like uh, similar to what Boeing is going to do soon with their uh, Starliner. But... This iterative design allows them to do so much more in the same amount of time because they're not sitting there worrying about what could be. They're putting it out there and saying, what does it do? And sometimes, just like in life, you fail and you fail hard. And that's, that's we failed hard here as, as, as people that, that, you know, for humanity going to space, this is a, this is a small failure. Um, but 
the space industry and the history of space is littered, absolutely littered with failure. So to those that are, I think are being naysayers or, or that are really hating on SpaceX hard now, I would just say you better look back in your history. You know, just look at some of the early history of NASA trying to go to the moon for the first time. And there are some catastrophic failures that could have, that at that time, if you were living and you didn't know the future and all you knew was at that time, you thought that was the end of the space program. And what I know about SpaceX is they're not done. And they will get another starship out there. I mean, the amount of time that b- between the Starhopper test, right? There's, there's another th- three printed model we got here. This Starhopper test where they, they flew a water tank, right? 150 meters. It went up. It spun a little bit. And it came back down. Testing that the Raptor engine does work. And that fundamentally, this can translate to a full-size starship, right? There's going to be more rockets on this. There was only one on this. But you can translate it, right? So now the next step was, all right, let's get a working one. They did that in a matter of months, which takes most companies in the aerospace industry years if they're lucky to even get to the point where they haven't burned through the budget of the company and they're able to still stay alive long enough to see the fruition of of their efforts because there are plenty of aerospace companies that have started and then gone bankrupt before they ever got anywhere. So is this a failure? Yes, for SpaceX. Is it going to pull them back a little bit? Yes, but... Starship is kind of their long plan. The short plan, the Dragon capsule, things are going well. You know, they they had a a static fire test of the engines that before had an issue, uh, so they've they've shown that they fixed it. SpaceX has had launch anomalies where the Falcon 9 has blown up and they've lost cargo. Uh, there's that famous one on the launch pad where Facebook was going to launch a satellite to give uh, more people in certain areas around the world that didn't have internet more internet, and that blew up on the launch pad. They have recovered. I don't think most people are concerned right now with, with, the, with the feasibility or the reliability of the Falcon 9. That has, been, that has proved itself out. And so time will tell. You know, this, is, this, is a, this is an awkward time now where SpaceX has had a failure on the Starship side, which won't, I don't think will affect their, their status commercially for, for you know, commercial crew where they're going to be launching astronauts. But... This, this latest report from the Inspector General, which I didn't realize NASA had its own Inspector General. This is, these are new things to me, but it's cool to know. And so they, they put out a report recently. I'll pull that up here to give you kind of the, the, the quick lowdown. And we'll have a link in, the, in this episode if you want to read it yourself. It is dense, I do warn you. But if you have it on PDF and you want to search different things, that's there. It's, it's not that it's like technically difficult. It's just that there is a lot of history in here and there's a lot of a lot of backstory that they do a decent job of, of, of giving you, but there's a lot of assumptions that if, if you haven't been following the space industry for a really long time, it may kind of seem a little weird, but I'll, I'll give you the gist. Basically, NASA, since 2011, since the space shuttle was retired, we no longer had the ability to send American astronauts from American soil using American rockets. We had to pay per seat with uh, the Russians with Roscosmos for the Soyuz system, which is a long-standing system. It has evolved over time, many, many years, and it's still our only reliable way to get to the International Space Station, which is, again, a a partnership between the U.S. and Russia. There's two sides of the International Space Station. One is the U.S., one is is Russia's. So we were paying $87 million per seat to launch astronauts. That's right, $87 million per seat to launch astronauts on board the Soyuz system. Now, I, I don't want this to be misdrewed. If we had our own rockets, that doesn't mean that that cost would be less than a million dollars. It's going to be in that round. It's going to be millions of dollars 
but $87 million per launch when you're just paying it to put someone on board is way different than having your own spacecraft where you can launch your own astronauts and then have cargo that you can then decide the entire cargo space. You can then decide, hey, we want to do this, we want to do that. When you're sharing it you know, with, with other people, it, it's a totally different thing. And so you're getting much less for the amount of money you're putting it in. And so the commercial crew program was a way for NASA to invest in companies. They had, uh, I believe it was, yep, eight companies to develop commercial crew technologies. The two that were selected was SpaceX and Boeing in 2014. NASA awarded you know, a fixed-price commercial crew transportation capability to Boeing and SpaceX to complete, I'm just reading from the report here, to complete their spaceflight development activities and test flights, crewed missions to the ISS, and special studies. And so if, if we're going to boil this down, what this report is saying is that for SpaceX, what SpaceX is able to offer as a launch option with the Dragon capsule, the Crew Dragon, once it's ready to, to launch and all the tests have been done, which safety was a big discussion in this report, talking about all the issues that may pop up, that, that could be an issue, and that basically they're still worried that neither of these companies that they've paid for are really there, and there have been delays because of failures on the launch pad from both companies and, and just delays in getting this technology ready. That's a lot of the discussion. But for what this Inspector General report is saying, I haven't gotten into the details of like how they've decided all these numbers, but they're saying that SpaceX would approximately cost $55 million per seat, which compared to $87 million, that's a huge discount. That means we're saving a lot of money. And that's representative of what the goal of this commercial crew program was. Was or We're paying $87 million per seat. If we can develop one of our own that's cheaper, then we, we make out good. NASA ends up with an option to send astronauts to the ISS. We can maintain the International Space Station, which has been in orbit for 20-ish years, right? And it's a, it's a major resource. It's the only human activity we have going on right now in our space program. And so $55 million for SpaceX, that's great. That's If it works, we're in good shape. You know, NASA's going to save a little bit of money. We have an option to send it to space. And the number for Boeing dialed in at $90 million per seat. Now, that is $3 million more than, than using a Russian Soyuz. So there's that. There's also been a lot of, you know, obviously Boeing, uh, I've seen a lot of articles. Again, I'm only talking about articles here, so don't dive too deeply in it, but from what I've seen in articles, from what I've seen online, Boeing is not happy with, with that. I, I know, how could you be? You know, there's NASA Inspector General report, and they're just straight up calling you up. I'm sure there are some arguments about how the numbers are being drawn up. You know, oh, maybe, you know, they didn't, they didn't take into account this, but what I see is that there's this old space thing. You know, Boeing is a big company. Uh, SpaceX is a much smaller company, and, and SpaceX does a lot of things in-house. And so just by the nature of how their businesses are set up, you know, SpaceX cuts a lot of the costs that, say, Boeing could be going to contractors for um, and paying a, more of a premium because this person does this well. And it's not that SpaceX doesn't use contractors, but the majority of the things that SpaceX makes on the rocket, that develops the rocket, they are doing that because they have it all in-house. And so you're seeing that in the numbers. That's, that's what I'm taking away from this is that, and this is not something new. This is something I've talked about on the podcast ad nauseum for years, is that SpaceX's way of doing space, of, of, of space business, of launching into space, inherently has something built into it that allows them to be disruptive, 
that allows them to, to cut the cost, like reusability, right? Instead of launching a rocket, dumping it into the ocean like we've done forever for rockets, and then just picking it up and getting rid of the material, because once it hits salt water, you can't launch that thing again. What SpaceX has done by landing rockets has, by its nature, cut the cost of space. And so just because they put the work into recovering their rockets, they win. They win because now, just because of that, their rockets are cheaper. Because instead of building a whole new rocket over again, they're just tweaking and calibrating and, and, and replacing tiny bits that need to be replaced if they need to be replaced. And so we see this dynamic with Boeing going on that Boeing is doing space how we've always done it. And I'm sure they're doing amazing things. I don't know much about Boeing. I'll be completely honest. A lot of it is kept behind doors. And for good reason. I mean, look, SpaceX, rocket technology, right? Rocket technology is a weapons technology. So you have to keep this stuff secret. It's, it's a, it's a, it could be a potential awful thing uh, to, to just give this technology, give these ideas to somebody else who would use rockets not for exploration, for science, but for dropping missiles. I mean, I mean, this is this is where World War II, this is the V-2 missile. This is the, the origins of the rocket, right? So it's just, it, to me, this report shows it, all the things that, I, that I've, I've known to be true from, from a space industry, industry perspective of what is, what is going to make us go into space, to be able to travel the universe, to be able to live in space and operate in space and have a job in space. To, to, to build a space economy, to live on another planet, to, to, to live in a colony on the moon or on Mars. None of that happens if it's too expensive to go because then it's going to get cut. I mean, space already has a hard time making people care about it when, when it goes a long time, right? It, when big things happen in space, it takes about 8 to 10 years, right? That's about the timeline that we got to the moon, right? Apollo 11. It's how long SpaceX has taken to do what they've done now. Uh, it's it, That timeline seems to fit. And it if you look at the history of the Apollo program, which uh, I have a ton of books if you're interested. If you want to learn more, I can definitely send you some that way. Um, we'll even put a, a link in the book we were listening, we were uh, getting into recently. But this, man, it, it's it's... It's the first four years, everyone's hyped. Everyone's pumped up about space and what we're going to do. JFK's launch to the moon, you know, what he did in the beginning, those four years is what brought us the momentum. And those second four years, JFK's assassinated. Uh, people are wondering why we're even going to the moon in the first place and, and saying we should be using that money here. Why are you trying to do it out there? We have so many problems at home. Look. These are these are tough things to to try and to try and answer here, especially when your back's against the wall. So it's the it's the second half that that makes it really tough. And so the issue there, right, is funding, government funding, right. So that's one of the issues that NASA has is, and it's had for years, is that it needs to get funded to continue, right. And the thing with the commercial program is so great that it allows them to invest in companies and private companies that will find a way to profit for themselves. And then NASA will be able to purchase from them whatever technology that they make. In this case, the ability to send astronauts from Earth to the International Space Station, and as well as cargo and, and everything else. It's so imperative to figure out a way in the space industry 
to make yourself immune or at least semi-immune to the trials and tribulations of funding, right? And, and, and you know, recently with SpaceX, with their Starlink, that's, this is what they're doing. They're, you know, they don't have to get into the, the global internet market. That's not what their original plan is, but it allows them to achieve their, their ultimate goal, right? Which is to, to, to colonize, to, to make life interplanetary, right? And by creating Starlink, which is their own satellites, right? They're building their own satellites, launching it on their own rockets. And they're able to do this because it costs minuscule amounts compared to what someone else would do. You know, typically the scenario is there is a rocket launch provider, someone that allows you to go into orbit, and there's someone that makes a satellite that wants to go into orbit. You do business together, one pays the other, and then you do that. And that, that it's not cheap. <laughs> to send something into space. But if you're able to build the satellite that's going to space and the rocket that goes into space, well, then you could kind of quickly put together uh, a, a global internet service and launch it yourself. All you got to do then is just get you know FAA approval, which SpaceX got for the first 12,000. And now they're looking to launch, uh, looks like 42,000. So another 30,000 more, which is a whole nother thing. We'll have to talk about that on another episode. But they are funding their way to Mars. They're funding their way for Starship to become a thing. And, you know, they're also doing things like getting Yusaku Maezawa to invest in a Starship orbital mission around the moon for Dear Moon, where he's going to launch himself, but also a bunch of artists that he's going to bring on board so that they can capture that moment where they go around the moon and see Earth rise from the other side. Because that moment has been so influential for so many people who are alive at that time, he wants to try and bring that to the next generation, to artists, so then they can spread what it does to them, how it, how it, it, it creates, the, how it makes their creativity blossom and, and change the way that they look at the world and the universe by doing that. So SpaceX is, do, is being very creative with how they're achieving their final goal. I mean, hey, even here, I mean, how we achieve our final goal of communicating science, right, to all of you and, and to the world is by 3D printing. You know, I mean, we are bringing people's ideas into reality by leveraging 3D printing, by offering 3D printing services and design services so that if, hey, if, if you don't have the skills to design something, we can help you do that. If you literally have something written on a piece of paper, we can help you bring that into reality. And so by doing that, by offering a service to others, we now can fund this podcast. We can fund all the fun things we're doing. I can pay to bring myself down to Florida to to capture the launch, to then bring that to you. All of this is possible because we have this side business, this lab that we use to, to, to do that. And SpaceX is doing that with Starlink and with all these other options to fund that their end goal. And NASA's in a weird place. They're a government institution. If, if you had the CIA selling something so that you know they could then fund the next thing, people would not be happy about that. And there's a lot of, lot of weird things about that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's such an important thing and it's an, an important concept in today's world that, you know, we need to make ourselves immune to this government funding because it, every, every eight years, NASA's program gets flipped. It's constellation program. Then it was the asteroid recovery mission. Now it's moon to Mars. Every eight years, every time there's a different presidency, it seems to, to switch. And so how do you make yourself immune to that? Because I mean, we lost our ability to send humans into space with a space shuttle, and I don't want us to get there. And this week, 
felt a, a little, a little, little bit of anxiety coming up. But honestly, if we look at the big picture, right in the short term, yes, it, it's, it's steps backward. It's hey, Starship now is going to take longer to develop. Big picture, so what? They figured out that the way they were doing it now sucked, and now they're going to change it because they're good at that. That's what they're all. They're good at failing quickly, right? We've 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 talked about this before. So, not to make this episode too long, I'm I'm excited about what's coming in space. I'm so excited to go to Florida and and to capture the CRS-19, my first rocket launch. I can't I can't I don't even know what to expect. I, I <laughs> I'm a little nervous about recording myself because I don't know what I'm going to look like, but that's okay. That's all right. You just got to do it. <laughs> so, well. I can't wait. Again, if you have any questions you'd like us to cover, please reach out. Uh, Today in Space Podcast at gmail.com. Today in Space Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. And our Facebook page, Today in Space Podcast. Reach out to us all there. Those are, we're also on TikTok, Today in Space. Uh, so you can you can check us out there. Follow us there. Um, that's it, everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving. And I cannot wait to talk to you more coming December. CRS 19. Yes. Okay. Have a great week. See you in December. See you next time.